What's going on, twerps? Welcome back to the Bad Christian Podcast. I guess y'all heard Alex Jones got banned from Spotify and YouTube and Apple Podcasts. So it leaves a huge vacancy of people looking for places for conspiracy theories. So the announcement here is that this show is now only about right-wing conspiracy theories. And welcome to all the new millions of listeners. So, you know, we're going to get right into it. Today we're going to cover the international uh, pedophile rings run by the global elite. Because, you know, the whole thing about Hillary Clinton is you got to really... Oh, what? Okay, seems I've been outvoted on the format change. So it looks like, from what I've got here, that today's show is going to be about uh, complaining about Christianity. And, uh, oh, it looks like we're going to do some cussing. Nice. You know, just regular, progressive Christian stuff. And don't forget, of course, to go to emorymusic.com and buy tickets to the Emory and O'Sleeper concerts that are coming through Texas and Arkansas and Alabama. And Emory will be in Colorado and Utah, I think, like, next week. So it's time to go. Get those tickets. I'll see y'all there. Oh, hell yeah. God showed up. I don't give a shit what I put in my body. You don't ever fucking talk to me that way. <laughs> so if you've never done oral, then you're extra virgin. No, girl. It's my flesh. I, I showed my dad my penis when I was 25 years old. You don't get more honest than that. From Tennessee to California, I'm on this trip, but no point on ya. It's the Bad Christian Podcast. We war against the enemy. It's the Bad Christian Podcast. Stay away from your PP. Yes, sir. Okay, well, this is the beginning of our second time recording, uh, you know, all together. We've all flown out. We've flown Reva out here. Toby and I was out at Joshua Fest. Mm. We did all that. And then yes, Joey did. just... I had some friend time even before this friend time. Yeah, so we I were... flew out here yesterday. I left at 4 o'clock and got here super late, and I went outside and hung out with Matt for a long time last night, and I think Matt was happy that I wasn't depressed. I think you were I expecting so me to be depressed. Happy I was extremely happy that you weren't depressed i i was betting i went to vegas and bet a thousand dollars of my own money that you would be i lost it kind of sucks to have it kind of sucks to have one of your best friends like just be a wild card well, like they're I, coming over most well, of your friends so you, you know, know what to expect so well, can I, in your defense honestly i was thinking because uh and you can get to it here and say i think you were getting ready to say about hanging out with old friends i was like oh man that does look so fun and it just you know Devin was in town all this stuff Hanging out with them so much so, and then immediately hopping on a plane, quiet for all that time. You had to, you flew all the way to Sacramento. But I like that. But, I like, but that was a perfect order. Well, maybe of that, maybe that, maybe, maybe the not. quietness. But usually, travel sometimes can affect you a little bit. So oh, I was like, not usually. Super, it affects me one way or the super other. Super high, and then to go to I'm um, at work, and I'm away from that, and I'm away from my family, your daughter's birthday, all those, all those things. I was like, man, I. I I expect Joey to be <laughs> to pick, depress Joey up from yeah. the airport. So it was. So, it was. I'm happy for you. We, we were out at. Um, Joshua Fest working. We were doing the Bad Christian podcast. Matt McDonald uh, sat in uh, with us on that. Yep. And we were sitting, you know, out there doing that work and just scrolling through Instagram. And Joey's just on a boat. Yeah. Seth and Devin. <laughs> I just. And like my best friends in the world. And he's taking selfies. Yeah. Small, just I know. On the boat with their wives and everything, having the best time. I, def- I definitely thought about you guys and I was like, I'm so glad I'm doing what I'm doing right now. <laughs> so it's Devin's 40th birthday, which is pretty cool. Yeah. They came, they came for the weekend. They brought their baby, but. I, I I thought you guys would get a kick out of this. So I'm seriously, I'm I'm our friend Ben Huntington 
has a super nice boat. He took uh, him, his wife, me, my wife, Devin and Megan, Seth and Melanie all out on the boat. And I'm uh, so I think this is important information. Just the night before I opened up a beer and I was drinking and I was like, I don't even know if I really care about beer anymore. And I didn't even drink the whole thing. Y'all know how I don't Mm -hmm. like to waste. I just dumped the rest of it. I was just like, that doesn't do much for me. I get on the boat and I'm so thirsty. Ben offers me a shock top. And I start drinking. I was like, this is the best best tasting (laughs) beverage I've ever had in my life. And then I went to a Corona Light and it was the same. I was was like, this is just, this is just, uh, these, both of these drinks are my top two favorite beers right now. It's unreal. And so 30 minutes into it. Because that's the environment is like, when you drink beer at the perfect time. That's exactly what Seth explained (laughs) to me. So I'm, I'm looking at the front of the boat. And my wife is just so happy on the water. She's smiling. I'm like, I love that woman. And she's she's hanging out with other women that I really like a lot. And then I'm having conversations with Seth, Devin, Ben. And I'm just looking around the breeze in my face because I've been hot all day. I'm thinking we're going our our destination is a restaurant and I get to eat some nice food, celebrate Devin's birthday. It was actually Melanie's birthday that day. Hmm. And I seriously looked at those guys and I said, I really think this may be one of the best days of my whole entire life. <laughs> I mean, Seth and Devin are my best friends from my hometown. You understand? Right. Isn't that hilarious? And I was working doing the Bad Christian podcast. Right, we were doing the while podcast. You were having the best time right. you've ever had with my best friends. I, I resent that. Well, sorry. <laughs> Can't control that. That's hilarious. But, see, but, but now, in retrospect, now that it's all said and done, I really think that may have been one of the best four hours of my life. <laughs> I mean, it's, think about it. I think know. about all the variables. Beer, perfect weather, yep. perfect breeze, like people you really like, Come people down, that you're yep. totally comfortable with, seeing your wife happy, yep. the dudes having some dude time, but then we just go to our wives right. and, and hang. I mean, it was just the best. I agree. And I seriously, and this is where you guys always pick on me because I always spiritualize things. I thought to myself, I was like, I think this is somewhat of what heaven's going to be like. And I thought, <laughs> I thought, imagine doing this, but then tomorrow there is no step down. It's just more of the same or better. I really think that's I, like, I think heaven is just going to be having so much fun, but you have like this contentness in your it's contentment in your heart that's just overflowing and it just never ends. And you just, you can't get enough, but then you keep getting enough. And you just want more, and you keep getting more. I suppose it's just that unreal. Could be. I don't. don't I know. definitely disagree, but I will say this. <laughs> I will say this. It's really funny you mentioned that. I do think there are times, and I wonder if 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 heaven, like your ideas, like maybe you can look back and see things or whatever. I do wonder what the best time of your life will be because I don't know. Like, of course, you are excited your kid being born. Okay, but there, that isn't necessarily the best because you're scared to death. Or maybe there's mm-hmm. like you know, we I was worried about the umbilical cord wrapped around Ruby's neck the first time, and all these different things were happening. I was, of course, I was happy. That's the most one of the most life changing, if not the most life changing thing. But like, we were sitting uh, at Chris's studio that doesn't have air conditioning. It's a, a, close to a hundred degrees outside. Matt and I are in this weird closet practicing for Joshua Fest, and I was like. Man, this is really fun. I'm drinking a cold beer. I'm working on music that I like with Matt. Reva's sitting over there on the computer. Chris is in there working on the Emory record. And I'm just so content right now. Same thing. It's like because there weren't any expectations. I was just relaxed. It wasn't any fear or worries or, oh, I need to do this or take care of this. Part of it, sometimes I think that is the best feeling is 
everything's just happening. Like when the kids are just playing together and that we get, I'm grilling outside or something. I'm just like, Oh, this is the, the real moment of, mm-hmm. Oh gosh, this is so yeah. relaxing and fun. And sometimes I feel bad. Like your kids won't ever get to be on that boat. Like, you know how much you love your kids. Like my kids won't ever be able to be in that kind of dirty closet or whatever, sitting beside me seeing that and then understanding why dad liked it so much. Yeah, like, but that because, makes me a little but, sad. But what y'all are saying is the reason it was so awesome is because they weren't there. <laughs> exactly, man. The I didn't want to say that, but now that you mention it, you're exactly right. But, but, but here's what made that moment so special, though, for you, is you knew who was home waiting for you when right. you go home. Oh, right. That's part of the equation. Oh, yeah, I was thinking about, I have four great kids that I love. I was just like, I don't know if things can get any better Stuff like me. that makes you love them more, too, because you, know, you get away. So once you get away from them, you're like, oh, I'm so happy. They're oh, great. Definitely. I love them. My gosh. Like, I can't wait to see my kids now. <laughs> yeah. we. I'm curious what y'all think. We, we definitely got into some spiritual discussions because Devin had a, and I wish he was here can to I explain it. Can I say one quick thing some, here, yeah. talking about family? Mm-hmm. This is true. This literally just happened just to show you how crazy my family is mm-hmm. like joey your family's solid matt your family's pretty solid let's get a text from my dad my dad just now texted me i've tried to call him for the last three weeks it hasn't answered he thinks you have to unplug your phone to charge it or turn your phone off to charge it uh-huh. so so every time i try to call him his phone's <laughs> off <laughs> my dad uh off. uh he and he's he's more emotional and friendly on text. Hey, he, real he quick, have you told him otherwise? You don't have to turn it off, Dad. Just yeah, plug so it we in. try, but he just doesn't. He he doesn't understand it, or something. he thinks it charges better, or something like <laughs> you know. He ain't gonna believe what I say, right? Uh, so sometimes he's really nice and sweet, and, and he believes. But this just shows you. My dad literally just wrote me this. Hey, Toby, Mega Millions is over five hundred million oh, for gosh. Tuesday night. I have bought a bunch of tickets. Your brother Gary has bought several. Maybe you can buy two or three. Quitting work would be awesome. <laughs> Ooh, living for that lot. I, mean, I mean, to him, he thinks, oh, yeah, because you're in another state. Yeah. Gives him more chances and all this stuff. He's just thinking that. And I'm like, oh, okay. You know, but he does believe it. Like, he, in a way, here's what I say. I have to pull from that. My dad's being kind of sweet. Something that he's interested in. Yeah. He's That's including true. me, the same as if he was like, hey, let's talk about Clemson football. Yeah. I'd way rather that yeah. or something, but there's something he's interested in is the lottery. So I have to go, wait a minute, my dad's, I think the lottery's silly or whatever. You're not going to win. I know all that stuff. But I go, my dad is trying to be sweet and include me, and he's even texting. He's using yeah. technology, all this stuff. So I go, this ain't so bad. You know yeah. what I mean? But it, it's still crazy. That, that's like That's my family. <laughs> anyway, sorry to interrupt you. You were talking about spiritual no, stuff. No, no, that's all right. This just happened in live time. <laughs> Well, Devin, I think the first night they all spent, or or it was just him, Megan and uh, Remy, their baby boy. The first night they spent, he had like some really really disturbing dreams, and he felt like they were super real. And so he woke up and he was super, he was afraid, and he was like, "I don't know what I'm going to do," and everything. And then he, his God honest words, he said he tangibly felt something put a blanket over him like from the uh-huh. waist down and he he said i was wide awake i was like no you weren't he's like yes i was i said no you weren't he's like yes i was i was like all right he said S- somebody put a blanket over him. it was mm-hmm. like a you know an invisible blanket and it freaked him out so much he could not go back to sleep he just got up it was like six o'clock in the morning or something and so we we're just talking about things like that i asked i asked seth uh, i wanted to kind of know where seth was at um you know just with his beliefs and everything because Devin and i talked about it a lot seth's like i don't think there's any demonic spirits no demons nothing like that and seth's really at a interesting point i and i like i like his summary his summary is i think i think i think things are way more simpler 
then we can even wrap our mind around that as far as like how things are going to end, you know, how God acts and all that stuff. But I think right now he sees the Bible as just one of many representations of humans trying to make sense out of the world. Right. And I think where I di- I can I can even hang with that, but where I differ and what I told him is the resurrection still has me stumped. In other words, I think that it's that's the resurrection really happening is more of a more valid to me than uh, it just seems like very improbable that it didn't happen and and so for me, I'm totally down with at the end of all things Jesus just steps in, he's the hero and everybody's cool. What will you do though if it's not Jesus? What if somebody you they say their name? I'll be surprised. And you have no idea who they are, and they are, just, and you're just like, oh, everything that you found out. I'll be shocked. Or you studied or whatever. But it, it, that's exactly right. That's what I was just thinking. Like that's the only problem when I hear people saying, "Yeah, I just don't, I don't believe it all anymore," or everything's whatever. Then it's almost to me similar to just a non-belief. It's just anything can be anything. Then right? Yeah. Like I don't, I don't necessarily like. I feel like. Somehow I ended up in America in evangelicalism, and so this is my lot. You know what I right. mean? Like this is what I got. So I'm just going to stick with this because some reason I'm here, and I do believe there's good things in the Bible. I do think that a, a lot of it is very helpful, and you have to pull pull parts out and really question them and think about them. But I like the idea of I, where else am I going to go? It's just something else. Right. Like this is where I'm at. You know what I mean? Like this right. is that what puts I have. you kind of in the thing, like like uh, you know Jewish people who are just more culturally Jewish. They don't spend a lot of time in prayer and doing all the rituals and stuff like that. They, they are who they are. But I'm Jewish, no matter what. That, that you know, right. Larry David. But that's what they were given. Religious, so why not, non-religious use, why not use that or stay with it or what? Like, like for me, but that's like you saying you're kind of a non-religious, no, no, no. cultural I, Christian. I'm saying it was, yeah. what's the what's the advantage to me? Of course, I believe there's teachings in Buddhism, for example, that I can take in my life, and sometimes I do. Like I've heard, you know, stories or uh, quotes or whatever it might be, but people who are Buddhist. And uh, have really grown and changed. I can think. I think I could take some of those things with me. But I feel like if I was going to be Buddhist, it'd be the same thing. It's just well, I'm just leaving this thing to go to this thing or whatever. I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't know if like everything being equal is actually right for me. And I'm not prescribing anything to anybody. I'm saying for me, I just. I just think I would just be just doing something else. I want to learn about other stuff and use that stuff. But I. I think I'm just going to stay a Christian because somehow I ended up at this moment being that. Well, here, here's what here's what's funny is Seth recounted. A similar experience that Nothing Dev- against Seth either. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. A similar experience that Devin described. I've and, had that and, too. And check know. out the common thing that they both did. What do you think that they said? What do you mean? Who did they call on? God. Oh, they no both matter what. said yeah, Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's what happened so, to me. Too. I mean, that is in our DNA. Whether I mean, yeah. that's it's in our upbringing. Yes. But I still think that's kind of oh, a beautiful that's a really impulse. Good point. Yeah, that really no matter good point. where we're right. at in our deconstruction, reconstruction, belief right. and shifts and transitions and all that, that's what we're going to well, call you, on. No matter what, if you're like, you know what? I don't guess I am a Christian. I mean, not that's, not, I'm saying that's me, but if you're like, yeah, I'm not even sure if I even believe any of that stuff anymore. Or, you know, I'm not even a Christian anymore. Yeah. If you feel like a demon attacks you later that night, you'll start saying the name of Jesus so fast yeah. you can't believe it. He said, no, no, what else do you do? Uh-huh. Like, I mean, maybe it's not, it's, it could be sleep right. paralysis. That's what right. it most likely is or would be. And I've had the very same similar experience. I've talked about it on the show before. I'm loved, I'm love to talk to Devin about that now. Do you still think? Was. I mean, look, I just can't, it just, it, but in the moment you did, no matter what, and then the farther oh, you get away from it, you tell yourself maybe Yeah, not, but that right? doesn't, I, I mean, it, it, like I understand, the more the I hear about other time. people having the same experience, it makes me think, I guess that maybe is more sleep paralysis. Yes. And it I, maybe and I, weakens my, my thing, but I, but the experience was so strong 
it just it was just it was just more than that. I yeah. just I, but and and that if I'm biased and that and can't see it, then I just I admit that that's possible. So whatever. Right. I don't Not, I don't expect anybody else to believe it, but. It was so. It was. I mean, all I was trying to possibly do was say the name of Jesus out loud, as so that it right. would stop, and I couldn't say it. I couldn't make the words go. I was yeah. like, "Fuck you, get the fuck out!" It's trying to Jesus, and I couldn't do anything. It was terrifying. Wow. I mean, yeah. But I mean, yeah. If you're primed to think things are demonic, and then you have that experience, I mean, what else could you? Your brain has to make sense of it yeah. somehow. So, and I, I, and I told him about your experience that you had in the first house that Priscilla and I lived in when you were having extremely grotesque, wicked sexual dreams, and you woke up and you're like, oh, this, this is evil, this is heavy, and you saw a big angel rise up with like an axe, and right. because you saw like a dark presence in the yeah, room. I still yeah. think you were dreaming, but yeah. I think, I think you know. But I, you didn't think, I mean, you thought no. it was real, now you are more skeptical. And the only thing that's changed is time and... and yeah. Being awake, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean. Like I just go, oh, I've had like- some great. For example, when I was young, I, I know this. Uh, maybe y'all did this too. I had all these dreams where I would just be, I couldn't open my mouth and couldn't breathe, mm-hmm. and then the last second I'd, I'd breathe in. I never thought that was a demon, though. I just thought I was having this weird dream right. thing or whatever. Now, if if that happened now, Mike would put that in there or something like that because I've I've been ingrained or, or thought, oh, that's what this is. My immediate thought is to go to, it can't just be my body or me, and it's not me doing this to me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it has to be something else. What have I been told? Demons. Mm-hmm. I, you know I, I, I do have a hard time with the evil team and demons and Satan and all that stuff if if pairing it with the belief of God being completely omnipotent, all-powerful, and that, but demons and spiritual warfare does make sense in the context of like open theism and God being limited in his power. But I just, I, I can't wrap my mind around there being like an evil team that God has is all powerful, but it's just like, right. yeah, you guys can exist and, and do stuff. But here's one thing that we all, it, this is just a mind boggling thought for me now, looking back on my life is how narrow my lenses were spiritually that I was not only Protestant, but I was also Pentecostal. I believed in speaking in tongues. I believed and you know, still do in that. But my view was so narrow, and I was right. I mean, if anyone said anything anti what I believed, I truly believed that my narrow view of the world was right, and everybody else yeah, was wrong. Right. See, and I really do believe that uh, one thing that God uh, and I, I like to think of God in like a, a, a human sort of way that we can understand. I could just see Him in heaven being like, "How in the hell did you make systematic theology out of this? Yeah. Like this book, you guys came up with a big way of living, right? Like I really think it's going to be like I didn't. The way I'm looking at that now is just the difference in belief and knowledge is starting to be, be more clear to me, and I don't know why. I don't know why it would take me this long to kind of see the difference, but you know you believe tons of stuff. Like you don't have a choice. If there's not knowledge, you have to, your brain has to make sense of stuff. It has to. And so a lot of things are not knowable and all you can have is beliefs. And so I was thinking about this morning over my lifetime, I've probably had too many beliefs, like the high, you know what I'm saying? Like I've had more things that I just was believing and on some evidence or some logic and if it was good enough to have any logic at all, I guess I'd believe it. Like, I, this is the way, or this person told it, or the church says this, or people, you know. But really, you should try to reduce the amount of beliefs that yeah. you have. Is that reasonable to say? Yeah. Like, the things that, are, that you can recognize as just a belief, you've got to hold it looser, and you probably should have less of them because you 
you'd want to have a little bit more knowledge and not jump to automatically. I mean, sometimes you just notice you believe stuff. Yeah. But beliefs aren't stuff that you can really change very easily. Yeah. So it's really kind of scary. Like yeah. you just pop into a belief and you don't know why you believe it, but you believe it. And they're very hard to change. Yeah. Yeah. So I kind of wish, I, I kind of am happier now to say, I don't know if I believe that. I don't have that belief. I don't have a belief on that. Yeah. Like I'm trying to sure. say, I don't have a belief about heaven. Like y'all were talking about heaven earlier. Don't really have any beliefs about that. Right. I've, I don't. I, and I still don't have any knowledge about The biggest about thing it about beliefs too with me is if they are affecting another person, that's when it gets really that's weird. Right. For example, how many people believe that porn is bad? And how many right. people look at porn? So the belief doesn't do anything for you personally if you're if you're going against that belief that you know you just go well I'm weak or, or if I'm your this, belief I'm this. harms but, people. But how in the world do you have this strong belief about this other person's lifestyle, right? And then you act on it with legislation or yeah. with words or with all this stuff. But you're in your own belief, it gets way murkier and weirder. Like that's I I totally agree with you. And I will say too to, to going back to the original thing you were brought up with about Seth. If somebody wants to find something and explore and try things, yeah, I'm, I'm totally for that. I think finding out information is key in this life, gathering ideas, listening to ideas, and wrestling with them. But I, I think for me, though, I like the idea of the Bible is hard sometimes, and it doesn't make sense. And I want to just stay here and, and wrestle with that and, and figure out why. what is this thing that we're saying. Like, I mean, I, don't, I just don't want to walk away from it because, oh, I didn't like that, that, and that, or this didn't make sense. Well, I'd rather maybe stay with it and see – why and yeah. and really go that doesn't make sense i don't believe that that's where i want to stay i don't want to just go i don't know if i believe it so i'm going to get out of mm-hmm. there yeah and I, I uh one thing that's super interesting about all this stuff interacting with you guys and i had this experience with devin over the weekend is with all of us and knowing where we came from and kind of how we've all changed there was a moment when devin was talking where i was like holy cow dude he is whoa he's way out oh devin, my yeah oh, oh my yeah. god but then there's also parts of the conversation where I'm like, good gosh, that's pretty conservative. Like it's it's crazy because mm-hmm. we're just talking out loud. Like we're seriously like, I don't know. But sometimes sometimes we sound like, oh yeah, not a lot of movement yeah. at all. And then sometimes it's like, oh wow. Yeah, I, I I really think both about Devin and Seth that, and this is like you know later stage emotional Matt. But I really feel like both of them have are just super dynamic people from where we come from and what they were like and. Just it's conservative to so much in so many ways to like, you know, they just moved out to the West Coast and did all this stuff. And I mean, they're just such different people. They just continually change today. And to me, that's just that's my my favorite people to be around are the people that I don't know what they're going to be like in a couple of years. Like, that's just that's just it's just exciting. I don't even know what to say. I, I can't I don't know how to say that it's exciting that Devin believes like in God and the Bible, less or looser, but it right. is exciting in a way. Yeah. And Seth, you know, has this whole other set of things that he's done and learned and like all from other cultures and all the stuff. And it's like, wow. And then just seeing that is, all, you know, so I, 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 I am still am jealous. You got to hang out with them and do all that. But um, <laughs> yeah, this is something. Do you That's think because Devin came and hung out with you on his 40th birthday, Satan attacked him? Um, no, my house is protected. It was just in his head. We bleed. But you don't we, believe anything we, happened. You just think he had sleep paralysis. As a pastor, you don't believe your friend and that he told you a potential demon attack. What if it was a good angel trying to keep him warm and he just messed up? <laughs> he's like, oh, I didn't mean to make him afraid. Oh, gosh, I just thought I was being nice. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> well, I, I want to I talk about prayer real quick. And, uh, you know, one thing that I think is super important in the spiritual walk is to have 
uh, like to observe other people and to learn from other people. So one thing that I've realized is with a lot of new believers coming into the faith, what you have very often is opportunities for them to pray out loud, mm-hmm. and yet they're petrified because they don't know how to sound super spiritual. You got to sound super spiritual. There's no point right. in praying Public out loud. Prayer, not, exactly. Right. You, you got to nail it. You got to sound yeah. good. So I just wanted to throw out some pointers that I have learned from other people. If So this is for you, listener. If anybody says, hey, hey, Johnny, why don't, why don't you wrap us up in prayer? And you're like, oh, gosh, what do I do? I want to sound super spiritual. Well, here are some helpful hints. But I want to ask you guys for some feedback because some of these that I've seen other people do, I think there's some holes in them that we may need to try to fill. Okay. All right, so the first thing that you could possibly do is sell your resume. Like, basically, just put it out there. You can say something, uh, you can use Greek words. So have a Greek word in your pocket, and you can say, Lord, thank you for giving me phalashia. And then say, phalashia, Lord, meaning Mm self-love. You've given me love for myself. So if you don't feel smart enough, quote scriptures, sell your resume, use Greek, and people are like, holy shit, phalashia? Right, you, know, you don't even have to pronounce it right because they don't know. Right, all right. So another one is ask. And, and I'd be careful can, with the pr- pronunciation yeah, of the fellatio. Yeah, yeah. yeah fellatio, <laughs> personally, but fellatio. It, it, it might matter how you pronounce yeah, it. Yeah. So here's another real good one is, uh, and I, I hear it all the time is say, "Lord, give me your heart for this situation. Give me your heart for these mm, people." That's a good one. The only problem is, which heart are you asking for? Let me give you two different hearts that you may be asking for. You may want to tell God, hey, this is the heart that I want. want to specify. Check this one out. So this is, uh, this is old God taking care of Hagar. Beautiful story. God heard the boy crying, and the messenger of God called to Hagar from heaven. What's the matter, Hagar? He asked her. Don't be afraid. God has heard the boy crying from the bushes. Come on, help the boy up. Take him by the hand because I'm going to make him into a great nation. God looking after the single mom, beautiful heart. Or are you looking for this heart? He turned around, looked at them, and called down a curse on them in the name of the Lord. Then two bears came out of the woods and mauled 42 of the boys for Elisha. I love that verse. So I'm just like, before you be ask careful. for God's heart, yeah. you may want to either be specific or you may, yeah. you, you may want to ask God to be specific. Lord, what heart should I have? Yeah. But I mean, do you, I, I've, that, that specific verse, I've always thought, if that ever happened to you in real life, what would your reaction right. be? Like, what if there was a group of kids, teens or whatever, mm. making fun of you and you're like, God, I wish you'd just shut them up. And all of a sudden, they were attacked by bears (laughs) and maybe murdered, killed, and just in front of you instantly, you would go, I I don't know what my reaction, would you be joyous? Would you be like, "Uh uh-oh, that, I mean, I did that? I just (laughs) murdered people? (laughs) So, nation or bears? You know, know, like, which artist? All right, so another one is uh, tell God what he did and remind him of his promises. Yeah, oh, you Because God's forgetful. Yeah, you got to tell him. I mean, so... Here's an example. You know, uh, so God's getting old. You know what I'm saying? So he's he's losing his memory and stuff. He's right. been around longer That's than all why of us. Try to remind so, him. Yeah. Lord, you turned the water into wine. You healed blind Bartimaeus. You struck down Ananias and Sapphira. Boom. You told like God that. what he did, and then you bring right. your request. That's, so just tell God That's what he did. Super obvious. You did like, this, this, and this. Yeah. 
that's what would work for me if if my kids came to me and was like, Dad, that's, you remember when you took me ice skating? You know how you took care of me and you changed my diet? I mean, I'm pretty buttered up at that point. Yeah. I'm going to be pretty, and how much, you know, yeah. to, she, if she gave me a long list of all the awesome shit I did. Yeah. yeah. That, her, she didn't know that. I'm not going to teach her that. I hope she doesn't hear this episode. But I'd be buttered <laughs> up sufficiently to grant her pending request after that. All right. And the, and the last little strategy to use, and I think this is the easiest one. So if the ones that I just gave you is overwhelming, I totally understand go with this one and that is long silent pauses because it makes you feel very contemplative very reflective and if the long silences bother you you can fill them in with any noises so i'm gonna give you an example (laughs) god we come to you right now (sighs) breath real good or you can go lord we come Sniff. The sniff, Lord, the inward sniff any is, of that, is any great. Any of that works yeah. because, I mean, I guarantee you, you will get a few people open their eyes and look at you like, what is going on over there? That is a spiritual man. I like the inward sniff yeah. out of those so, the best. Yeah. And everybody thinks maybe you're crying, so it got serious. Oh, yep. yeah. Yep. So I like this one but uh, because as, as I get older, I, I actually forget words. So this is a good strategy. Like if, <laughs> if you're praying and you're like, where was I going with this? Just stop and go. <sighs> Easy. You just got to be confident. Yeah. You know what I mean? So you're welcome, everybody. That's great. That's what wow. prayer lessons, huh? Yeah, absolutely. Does, do you do it like private on Skype or do you have, you know what I mean? Like you take appointments for oh, absolutely. private lessons? Absolutely. It's like $80 an hour, but I'm giving these for free this for many free, people. Yeah. So yeah, you don't really need to go further than that unless you want to. Yeah. Unless got you it. want to. Got it. it. It is scary to pray though. When somebody says, hey, will you pray? You 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 go into Dang that mode it. of, I need to say something that is yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. I got to bring down the house right now. Yeah. I always <laughs> feel like it's not, I, like if you had to be asked to pray and you get you find out in advance that it's going to happen like a few hours from now, like I've had that happen. Sometimes my family do that to me and stuff. Like my, my dad's right. last birthday party, he came yes. to me like an hour and a half before. It's like, hey, when they do a blessing, I want you to do it. It's like, shit. Because he but, didn't want to do it. Of course, yeah. I mean, and he thought maybe Matt will do it, or Matt's good at talking, or Matt's right. a good Christian, or I don't know what, you know, that's Might kind make of, him proud. Yeah, yeah and so, but I didn't want to do it, of right. course. And then, you know, knowing that you, for the next hour and a half, I'm thinking, I got to nail this thing, because it was right. a big, big party with all my dad's friends and everything. And I don't want to, I mean, it, be, being put on the spot is actually better to me. It's the same as yeah. I don't want to know if Emory has a over 400-mile drive until, like, it's time to leave. Right. Because I don't want to think about it. I don't want to dread it. I don't want to rehearse it. And I want the ability to say, oh, I don't know. He just winged it, and it, I guess it came out okay. But if I'm going to sit there and think about it, that's all that pressure. I got to think. Yeah. I got to say. Then it's just, oh, But I'd rather, I'd rather you put me on the spot and say, go. Yeah. Then at least have an excuse if it's not perfect. But maybe... If I studied your lessons a little more, I'd be... Yeah. I'd Joey, can we get a, a lesson next time, maybe? Because I think it all is about the intro. Like, what do you say first? First five seconds. Yeah. You know, that it, yeah. it, a lot of people do the Father God. Right. We come, or something like that, you know. Well, but. well, scientifically, according to the Bible, you need to start with adoration, because that's what Jesus did. Basically, the Our Father, who art in heaven, right. hallowed be your name. A lot of if you're going to stick with Jesus's structure, then you start off by giving mm. God some mm. glory and you know saying what's up, God. Man, Joey, that's that you nailed it with that. All right, how about some Fit for a King? Yeah, Fit for a King is an awesome new tooth and nail band, and right now you're listening to Backbreakers, a new single from Fit for a King.
Okay, again, fit for a king here. This song is called Backbreaker, and it's the third single from the band's upcoming album. The album is called Dark Skies, and Dark Skies will be out everywhere on September 14th. But you can buy and stream all three songs that are out right now, just, you know, wherever you do streaming and stuff. Fit for a King will also you'll be touring in the fall, and they're going to be direct support for one of your favorite bands called The Devil Wears Prada, and that's how this works. They go on tour with them, and that gets you to go see them, and we tell you about the tour, and that's why they take them on tour, and the scene goes round and round. It's a nationwide 10th anniversary tour of With Roots Above and Branches Below, which is the Prada album there. So head over to Spotify, Apple Music, or wherever you stream and buy music and listen to the Backbreaker track from Fit for a King right now. And also on Spotify and Apple Music, make sure to follow Fit for a King Follow their profile so you don't miss any new music, singles, anything else uh, they put, you know, on the way. All right. So y'all know why we've uh, been working on our film now. We've got like a ton of footage in the can for What Would Jesus Sell documentary. Oh, yeah. we got a bunch of Joshua Fest, right. audio feed, creation. Mm-hmm. We've already been out. So for all the people that help support that, thank you. And uh, I have a conversation here with Derek Miner, who's the guest today, that's partly for the mm. film and partly for the podcast. I thought it would do dual duty. He's got a record coming out, and he's just, you know, good buddy of the podcast and, and uh, always happy to have him on. So hope we enjoy this one. So, Derek, I do want to mention it up, up front that you have a new record called The Trap coming out August 10th. That's yeah. correct. Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, we'll get back to that in a little bit. But in the meantime, while you're listening to Derek and I talk, you can check out his album. I thought it'd be nice to do that up front instead of at the end of the interview here. Gracias. You get brought up a ton when anybody says uh, memories from the conference. I think it's, you know, you making jokes on stage and being up there on those panels and it was uh, a lot of people's favorite part of the conference. I, I, it was fun, man. I enjoyed it a ton. I think, I think y'all should definitely do that conference as much, you know, every year. If possible, it's, it's, it was a good time for sure. I appreciate it. It was the easiest thing to do. I mean, it was hard to set up and think through and all that. But once we got there and the people were there and you guys were there and the guests, all we had to do was kind of cut up and clown and get out of the way and everybody did the rest. So it was, an, right. it was, a, it was pretty amazing in that regard. Yeah, that joint was lit. Well, Christian music and the way that we look at it uh, in a lot of ways has been, in its, especially in its origins, is like this whole idea of put, com- combining art with the things of, of the Bible and Jesus and justice. And even early Christian music from the way we look at it yeah. is like a lot of the lyrics and ideas about it were these really Jesus-centered social justice, you know, doing the right stuff even yeah. seemed to be the real motivation in Christian music. Yeah. And it's gotten so far off now uh, when I was talking to Propaganda the other day, he said he was just all humming along and was so happy to find that there was a scene and places to play and money and all infrastructure and fans and all this. And he said uh, he had a big turning point when Trayvon Martin got shot and said then he started looking around and he kind of woke up to some realities there. And that was a big rift for him because when he wanted to continue doing those things that, that – you know, basically the industry itself was like, no, we want you to be this thing. Yeah. Well, I, I know for me, I think that was a turning point for most. If any, like, that was a turning point. Like, LeBron James just opened up a school. And I was watching him on ESPN, and he said the same thing. Like, Trayvon Martin was kind of like the moment, I think, for Trayvon Martin was, uh, he was our uh, Emmett Till, if you will, during the Civil Rights Movement. Emmett Till, uh, they said he was whistling at a white lady and she lied, but he got beat so bad by like a bunch of guys that they had to do it. And she, and what was crazy was she did an open casket so that the world could oh, see. Wow. And that kind of, that kind of 
pushed the civil rights movement into the it, it kind of pushed it into action. Uh, it, mm-hmm. That was that was a Rosa Parks moment for the civil rights movement, and I think Trayvon Martin and Mike Brown were that for our generation. That was our Emmett Till, um, and I think that's just not for just Christians, but that's just for most black men uh, and minorities. Uh, so it kind of was the thing that woke us up. Like, whoa, wait a minute. Like, there's some real issues here. So, and same thing for me. Like, I know if I want to thrive in Christian music, like the actual industry, industry, I know what the rules are. You know, don't say anything that ticks anybody off and just focus on, just, just talk about theology all day. Don't say anything that ticks anybody off. And, uh, you know, change your voice to sound a little white or to be a little edgy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You be edgy, but just a little edgy. Not, not, not be edgy enough for people to say they have a black friend, but don't be so edgy to where they have to deal with the issues of the black friend. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I've heard, I didn't realize that, um, you know, I, you know, I, obviously here I am sitting here, but I didn't, I didn't pay near as much attention to Trayvon Martin and this other stuff. Mike Brown, all that. I just thought, well, you know, at, at the time, I, I see it differently now. But I was just like news rolling through, like, well, it's this story and this group. Yeah. And, you know, it's. I didn't realize how profound it was as as a, you know, if you get to go back and pinpoint that time and what it was. Yeah. Everything's a lot different from then, and you guys know, noticed it obviously before I did or anything. But I'm yeah. almost surprised to hear that 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 was such a clear turning point. Um, can. Can you tell me more about how and why that specific thing and what, what was that immediate uh, change you noticed with you and, and the regular white evangelical groups? Well, so I think the reason why it was a turning point, um, I've been racking my brain for it because I'm like, what made that so? Because people have been shot by the police before. Uh, well, also we had Rodney King. I forgot about that. That was mm-hmm. the generation before us. But... Um, I think what made that such a turning point was for a couple of reasons. One, um, it wasn't necessarily the death of Trayvon, but it was the lack, it was a clear wrong. Like it was clear that George Zimmerman was wrong, that he was, a, I mean, even on the back end of it, I think people probably, if they could go back, they probably would have convicted him because of the mm-hmm. things that he said publicly, like, hey, I got. You know, I I killed this, you know, I I killed him, I killed somebody else. You know what I'm saying? Like, people can, like, on the back end of it, you can see he was a bad dude. Mm -hmm. And and, and, and black people and minorities saw, this is clear that this guy murdered this kid with implicit bias. And no, and and it's like, no one fought for fought for his rights, you know. Mm-hmm. The church didn't fight for his rights for the most part. Our white brothers and sisters kind of just left us hanging. And not only did they leave us hanging, it's one thing to say I'm not going to get involved. It's another thing to say you're wrong for for uh, supporting and trying to get justice for this kid. That's a whole other thing. Now you become a part of the problem mm-hmm. when, you, when you try to prevent us from finding justice. It's that... Then also you see the justice system uh, itself, where it wasn't just it was a you know it's Mike Brown, it's it's Jordan Crawford, it's Jordan Bell, it's Tamir Rice, it's it's it's, it's uh, uh, Walter Scott. You see time after time, it's no conviction, no conviction, no conviction, no conviction, and it's the same thing where you see our white brothers and sisters rush 
to try to stifle our voice. So it's that season that let us that let me know at the time. I'm like, wait a minute. I don't have. I have people that they they are allies with me when it comes to Jesus, but when it comes to my blackness, they're not allies in that space. And that was a wide. That was a rude awakening, because mm-hmm. th- up until then, I mean that my race was never really even a. It always was a funny thing. Ha ha ha, Derek, you talk funny. Ha 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 ha. You dress cool. Ha ha ha. You can dance. Whatever. You know what I'm saying? It's like, okay, that's kind of goofy. But then when it comes to issues of like justice and things that actually matter, it's like, where were you? It's not only are you not here, but then you're on the other side. So then that yes. makes us start thinking historically. And then you're like, wait a minute. Hold on. So what Southern Baptists in the 90s had to do a public statement to say, we're sorry because we, we, we split all these years. We had split over, you know, during the civil rights movement, we split because we thought it was our right to own slaves. So now a hundred years later, we're going to actually formally apologize to black people. It's like, wait, so hold on. Christian, like white Christianity has been in opposition to the full rights of black people for a long time. That was, I, we never would think to go even research that when you think how wow. like how much the white evangelical church has been a, a force against the equal rights of Martin. Like you go back and read the Birmingham letter in the Birmingham prison with Martin Luther King, and he's like, he's calling those white evangelicals out, like, man, where are y'all at? Like, y'all are supposed to be my brother, and et cetera, et cetera. And that was something that it made me go read my history and start realizing, like, wait a minute. Like, it's not that white evangelicals have been silent in our struggle for rights and for my parents and grandparents struggle for equal treatment. They've actually been on the other side with tiki torches. You know what I mean? Yeah. (laughs) No, I do. That's really interesting to hear you say it that way, because when I like I said, I wasn't that concerned about the Trayvon Martin thing, but something changed there because then I think the issues more even that it was it, it then the, the veil was lifted that there were sides already entrenched and you didn't realize there. it yeah, or something like that. Absolutely. And so it's so cra- and then I think when, by the time you get to Walter Scott, I'm thinking, wait a second, that's clearly fucked up. Like that right. <laughs> like at that point, you know, you know, between those two is basically uh so by the time I'm starting to really pay attention and say, well, what is going on here and how, and by that point though, and then now in this day and age, in the last couple of years, it's totally, it's totally like, uh, so dug in on sides that it's like, you can't even advocate for something without looking like you're trying to directly oppose other people. And and somehow Christianity and stuff has gotten, is just totally caught up in the, I, I mean, it must just feel terrible. I, I can't imagine how that would feel from the other side to be sit, standing alongside people and then you start raising these concerns and, and then they start thinking you're part of the problem. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I can't tell you how many relationships have been altered because of this climate in where, like, you hear people say things or see them, you know, tweet their opinions or, or or say their opinions publicly and you're like, wow, you feel that about black people, really? Like that's what you actually feel about me when you're around me? I never thought that, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I think, um, and some of that I think is people just, uh, 
passionate and sometimes people say things are out of character, but it's like when you hear stuff, you're just like, wow, that was really in your heart the whole time when you were hanging around me. Like you think black people are degenerates that, you know, cops should rally. And, and, and it's like, you know, it's like for myself, I'm like, well, do you think that about me? You know, and, and I think that was kind of what was happening is you're seeing people make these public statements and you're like, wow, if you think that about Trayvon or Mike Brown or Tamir Rice, do you think that about me? Like, because I'm from those same places. I'm from Pontiac, Michigan. That's right out of Detroit. My family was, you know, had I have drug dealers and drug addicts in my family. But I think everybody has drug addicts in their family. Of like, course they do. Opioid <laughs> crisis. You know what I'm saying? But it's yeah. just like when it's a black drug addict, he's a criminal. When it's a white drug addict, then he's uh He's got a bad back. He needs help. Yeah. Right. He, he needs right. help. Yeah. yeah it's, it's a health crisis. You know what I mean? Yeah. So uh, I, I think just in this time, what we started seeing, I, I know for myself, what I started seeing was just the bias and 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 the I think just the the length we're gonna have to go to repair race relations within the church, you know, I'm gonna be honest, like you know, like I said, historically, the white evangelical church by and large has been a huge opponent to civil rights for minorities. Um, and, and it seems as though the majority are kind of repeating the same mistakes from the past. But the problem is in today's world, it's not like 18, you know, to 1998 or 1818 where, you know, whites were in control of everything. Like our, you know, in 2050, they said that, you know, whites would be a minority in our country. And I think that's what the fight is right now, even within the church is fear and power. Like, man, these Mexicans are coming in and all these different people are coming in. Let's build a wall to keep them out. Why? Because we can maintain power. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm, yeah, I, I, that is definitely just something that's automatic in groups and 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 happens. And you know, the question is, can people wake up and reconcile, or is it going to get worse? Like I, that's the stuff. I don't know if it's uncharted territory. If we pay or if we pay closer attention to history, we have some answers here. But it's like if people are telling, you know, thinking that it's weird because I think from the white evangelical point of view, I think they genuinely often they. Is, is not anybody specific, but many of them often think, look, racism wasn't a big problem, and now you're making it a big problem. Like you right. just said, you didn't even know the history. Now all these people have whipped you up and got you all panicked about it, and here you are saying race is the biggest deal in the church. We didn't have no issue before, did we, Mr. Minor? And, well, and, and you're, so here you are now, so you're obviously causing the problem. Nah, the funny thing with that is, if, if you feel like race hasn't been an issue in America... I mean, if you look at it, like, you just got to read a book. Like, <laughs> you, you look at the civil rights movement and everything else. Like, for me, as a black guy, um, first of all, I didn't even know white evangelicalism was a thing up until... I didn't know there was a group of people that are considered, we are white evangelicals. Like, I didn't know that was a thing. You know what I mean? Until actually, till I got into Christian music. So then I realized, oh, this is a group of people. Like, cause I grew up in my church, which is a black gospel church. And, you know, we had, there were, you know, 
the same issues were happening back then. I just weren't educated enough to understand what was happening to me. You know what I mean? Yes. Like right. that's what the issue is. It's not necessarily that they didn't exist. I just wasn't educated enough. I'd be like, wow, that was really that 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 was hurtful. Now I know it's hurtful because it was racist. You, know, you should so, have been hurt a long time ago about it. You just didn't know. And, yeah. and I'll, I'll back that up with a per, you know personal experiences for me are along the lines of this. There are I'm a little bit more tuned into the world now as an older person, more mature, more developmentally. Yeah. When I was younger, there are many times when I look back on and realize that I was around people that were mm, making fun of me that I didn't realize they were. Uh, Do you know? And now when I look back on, I go, oh. That you guys were, you know, that yeah. I should have been very agitated or, or hurt by what you, the way y'all were treating me. I just didn't notice it. Absolutely, I was immature and not emotionally developed enough to even get the context of some of the situations in my past. And that, that you know, that doesn't mean that's no excuse for anybody else's behavior. And I should have been pissed off at the time, but yeah, I, like, I like, wasn't developed enough to know it. Yeah, I'll give you an example. Like when we talk about the privatized prison system, like. People have been over-sentenced in my community forever. I have, I have family that's been in jail and things of that nature. And that was just, when you're looking at it from the ground level, you're like, okay, this is what it is. So then when you zoom out and say, okay, let me research why so many black people are in prison. Because I was always told by white people, especially white Christian people, man, black people, man, y'all are just, y'all are just thugs and gangsters, man. That's why y'all go to prison. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And for me... I, was, I started just embracing that ideology, that that racist ideology that, man, my people, we're, we're just, we're degenerates. Not, oh, wow, there's a system that was created in America to, to create a narrative around black people that they're degenerates to justify putting them in prison, not just race, but for profit. Like, mm-hmm. it's like we're putting, we need to, we have to find a reason to make people be, or or allow people to be okay with jailing black people. So let's create fear and let's, let's, let's create fear. Let's tell people that they're ignorant. Let's tell people that they're stupid and, and, and let's tell them that they, they have a bet. They should go to prison. Not, oh man, these pe- this community, my community has been preyed upon by a system of white supremacy. Like in my mind, I was believing a racist ideology about myself because it's taught in our schools. It's it's taught uh, uh, it's it's on television. It's it's everywhere. Even in our churches, it's taught. And it's like I I didn't know that I was being taught something that wasn't of God, or I just thought that's what it was. Now I'm like, no, this is the truth. Black people are intelligent. Like black people are, are artistic. Black people are made in the image of God and valuable. We're not thugs and gangsters and 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 all those different things. We've just been in a system that has been, that has preyed upon my group of people since we since we were brought over here in chains, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and 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 now since I've studied more history, I can now see the and and I would say this is what Jesus would say is part of a worldly system. Like yes, I'm, I'm able to see the actual world for what it is. This is a system created by Satan that is used for, for the profit. And the Bible says, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. So with mm-hmm. America being very capitalistic, 
it and, and its love of money has has created a system where it says let's oppress these people that look this way um for our private gain yeah i mean i think what you said when you said maintaining power people will do all sorts of stuff to do that and that's the we, one for me where it's like yeah I don't not trying to let go of any money or power personally or property or anything that I perceive as mine and nobody is technically. And so then the outcomes of that are profound basically, because it means keeping, you know, it means whatever it means, but the the motive is less probably, I guess in my view, feel free to disagree with me, but the motive is much more about maintaining and acquiring more power and wealth for you personally as an individual than it is driven out of, uh, you know, direct hate for a group or anything but nonetheless th- th- this creates everything i 100 percent agree that it creates everything that you're talking about and those things all do exist and cause all the amounts of oppression and harm that they do absolutely it, like the the desire to keep comfort wealth and power will make a person that as a christian go against all their all their own beliefs mm-hmm. and and will make them justify why those things are actually, why those things, it will make you justify these evil things. Like it'll make someone like I, I've seen it myself where people that are, you know, will get up and talk about God and justice or whatever on Sunday morning in their personal life. When they think about, you know, man, our taxes are going up, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Let's, let's get rid of these Mexicans, build a wall because they're, taking all of our this and that. And it's like, wow, you don't realize what you believe yeah. are at total odds at one, with one another. Like, I'm, you know, and, and, and now when you see how people, to justify it, they go to crazy extremes. So if I say, hey, I don't think we should build a wall and I think we should probably be <laughs> more uh, gracious to immigrants, they're like, well, you want open borders. You're just a liberal. And I'm like, but- no, I didn't say any of that. I just said... <laughs> Let's find a system that doesn't separate mother and child, even if they do come here illegally. Let's at least let's at least turn them away with dignity. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Let's at least consider certain things. Not let's just open the borders and let whoever in. Like it, it's like it'll warp your mind to make you so to, to protect your power to where you you'll turn anyone into an enemy, even if they have the most basic concerns. You know. Yeah, I I kind of hope that we're in a little bit of a fear-driven time um, that we can wake up from a little bit more yeah. because it is so dissonant for people to to do like you said to, to to say I like this music, this safe church group, I like things the way they are, uh, and then our the enemy of all the things that I have is people talking about justice and social justice. So now I need to oppose. S- Anybody that talks about social justice, like yeah. that's, it, it, how can you possibly arrive? Like, you have to feel that that you're like, wait a second, all, I don't know what the story is, but it looks like this person's advocating for somebody and trying to get them some justice, and I think I need to automatically oppose it because of where it's come, where the story's coming from, Absolutely. what news outlet it comes from. I mean, that's that's a, just an unbelievable thing that I can, I, I have to hope is only, uh, you know temporary in some way like temporary as in a, a period of time emotional reaction like after 9-11 people acted way crazy for a while you know maybe yeah. this is a crazy time and people can if we hang in there people will wake up one at a time is, yeah like that's a path it, forward it, it's mind-blowing like you know I, everyone likes to consider themselves balanced 
and we're not all balanced at all. But, you know, I, I've watched Christians twist themselves into pretzels to try to justify everything that Donald Trump does. And I'm like, listen, man, like, I'm okay if you're Republican, Democrat, Libertarian, whatever, but not one president has done everything right. So it's like, mm-hmm. why would you twist yourself in a pretzel to try, like, you can say, hey, I don't necessarily like everything about this guy. Or you can actually call out some of the things that he does wrong. But I've seen people twist themselves in pretzels to make him the moral leader of, of our country. And I'm like, yo, my man is out here knocking down porn stars, playboy playmates. Like, it's, it's like, fam. Like, like it's like, you can, at the minimum, you can say, okay, well, he's not necessarily the most moral guy, but I like the fact that the taxes are going to work the way I want them to work. I can respect that. Like, hey, this guy says he's going to give us these tax cuts. It's about the money. Man, I'm like, but don't try to make him God's choice. Oh, you know weird. what I'm saying? As a, as a, like that, like, I'm like, come on, man. Let's not say, well, obviously we know God puts every leader in, in there, but don't try to make it seem like this is like, he's the moral choice. Like, it's like God also let Nebuchadnezzar be a king. You know what I mean? And Obama he allowed somehow too. And somehow got somehow Obama was he, God's he, choice. I don't know how. But Obama at some point was the Antichrist to the same people that say you you should respect Donald Trump. Because God put him there. Or you should you should support Donald Trump because God put him there. Are the same people that were picketing against Obama and said he was the Antichrist and it was the devil's work. And yeah. it's like, let's just it's like, no, let's just be real. These people were elected by people. God allowed it to happen. And they're, they're imperfect people. Obama was imperfect. Bush Jr. was imperfect. Clinton imperfect. And Trump is imperfect. Let's not twist ourselves in pretzels because then you start looking stupid when you, like, if you're going to fight for, you know, Donald Trump for being the moral leader of our country, but at the same time try to tell somebody they shouldn't smoke a cigarette, no one's going to take you <laughs> serious. Like, <Right. laughs> Yeah, it's insane. I mean, it's I mean, it's it's so far out there that it has to be at least recognizable or feel it has to be feelable in a way that I think it can there can be regression toward the mean. If nothing else, it's just right. so, it gets so absurd that it's just obviously that way and I hope everybody can feel that. Yeah. Uh Derek, let's tell me some about this album The Trap comes out on August 10th. I just watched the video. That new video on your website is from from that album, correct? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the video is, is awesome. I, I love the vibe of that. And the music, too. You're quite a producer. Yeah. Um, I don't know if people... I didn't realize this, but you won a Grammy for a producer. Right? Yeah, well, I got I got a gold record with uh, on Lecrae's uh, Anomaly album for producing uh, Dirty Water. So, yeah. So, uh, and then I got a Grammy for engineering on... Uh, uh, was it Gravity or whatever that album? So yeah, gra- yeah, on Gravity. But yeah, the engineering and the pr- producing, I didn't really, you know, make think about that and make all the connections. And then I was listening to your video, and now I'm seeing here you sitting here in your studio with all your gear. Yeah, and I'm, I mean, you're, you know, Grammy award winning engineer and gold, yeah. gold record and do all the the technical work on there. Yeah, and that's something I wish we had more time to talk about because we come from different worlds on it. But the, yeah. the, I think that stuff is awesome. But tell me about this album being. Uh, Part of a four-part series? Yeah, so I released Your Soul Must Fly in September, and then another project called High Above 
in November, and then this is called The Trap. So, and then the next project will be called By Any Means. So it's a sentence when you put it together. Your soul must fly high above the trap by any means. So, mm -hmm. and if you put the artwork together, it connects like a puzzle. Um, and it's all the really artwork's hard. amazing. It's, it looks like a board game, and I mean, it's, it's beautiful. Who did the artwork? Man, uh, Don Clark at Invisible Creature. So, oh well, no freaking wonder. Don, yeah, exactly. Don's amazing. I know Don real well, and all the, that makes total sense now that you that say is. that that Don Clark did it. Yeah, Don, so Don did uh, Minerville, my album artwork um, for one of the albums. It was my first album as Derek Minor, and when I came up with this idea. Uh, I didn't. I couldn't think of anyone but him to do the art. I didn't want yeah. anyone but him to do it. So, uh, you know, Don has been a fan of my music. We've had a relationship ever since uh, Minerville, and I was like, Don, look, man, I know I'm indie, but bro, help a brother out. <laughs> <laughs> and he graciously yeah, he does some stuff. You know, who even knows? I mean, he does so much stuff for Target, and they've done stuff. He for freaking did a book for the Incredibles, so, yeah. bro. Yeah, he's like designed a book for the Incredibles too. So mm -hmm. uh, that I bought, and I can't wait to get it. But yeah, man, he's a he's brilliant. Uh, the artwork, you know, the album when it's finished will be meant to be listened to in in its entirety. So uh, this album, the trap, is the third part. And and I, it's crazy when I got the album. Like I kind of had a feel of how I wanted it to go, but I think for me, the actual execution happens. And the whole idea of the trap is I, I used to ask myself. Like, what is the biggest trap of humanity? And it's not believing God. You know, like when you think about Adam and Eve, like God had given them everything. And then the serpent comes to them and says, yo, well, did he really give you everything you need? Like this tree is better for you. And that trapped them. That trapped our whole world in sin for forever. So it's kind of like a play on words when you think about the trap. The music is trap music. When you think about the drug dealer, um, that's the issue is he doesn't he doesn't believe God that God will take care of him without him having to do these certain things. You know what I'm saying? So he just goes, mm -hmm. he believes that money is the answer. So it's like, by all means, I got to give my life to get money. So I think that's the age old trap for all of us is is that um, we don't see who we are in God and who God wants us to be. So the music is dark. Um, there's happy moments in it, but it's really like it's really it's almost like if I was to do an album for Bad Christian and that y'all had a record label, and I was like, man, I'm gonna do a Bad Christian rap album. This is what it would be. It's like Christian mm -hmm. content, bold, unapologetic, um, doesn't have all the answers all the time, but it's definitely honest. And that's the thing I love about this podcast. I always do stuff with you guys because you allow me to be honest. Um, there's no pressure to not be honest here. And uh, that's what this album is. It's, it's that um, it made me because I, initially I was going to do these projects every month, but I pushed everything back to make sure this project was was perfect. Um, and uh, it took me enough, it took me an extra four months on my timeline. But it's it's in my in my mind like every every artist always says their latest work is their best work, but um, everyone is telling me this is my best work, and and I think it's my best work because it's honest. It's just honest, man. I'm just real. Like, there's no, I'm not playing no games at all. So, yeah. Though, well, I mean, I feel like hopefully that's the antidote for some of the things going wrong. And it's it's kind of harder to be honest 
But on the other hand, it's more fun. Yeah, it is. I mean, it, <laughs> it, that keeps the balance for me. Is like, yeah, I mean, I'm not trying to be a martyr. Oh, I'm so honest or whatever. But it's more stimulating. It's more risky. It's more aggressive. It's more. It's more. You're getting more if you're being honest in either your art or just to, if I'm honest with you right now. It's it's riskier, but it's like it's it's like getting more out of life or something. Absolutely. Like you're. What are you gonna do? Pretend for how many more minutes before you die? I just, can't, I just can't, I don't understand it. It's worth the, whatever the risk is to live, to be, to get, do it, to yeah. do whatever it is. Absolutely. It should be more fun. Absolutely. No, it's, it's honest, honest to God, man, I've had the most fun uh, creating this album. And it's because I just said, I'm going to make the music that matters to me. You know, I'm not going to try to play any games. I don't care. Um, Cause you know, Christian radio doesn't really play me on a high level anyway. And mainstream music doesn't play me on the radio at a high level anyway. So I might as well just make the music that's real to me and not try to even play those games with anybody. Mm-hmm. So uh, this is for me and the fans. Like, I wrote this album for everybody that's at where I'm at. And this is for us. You know, like, that's kind of what it is. And I think people... Are connected no permission with, needed. Yeah, you know, right? Like, yeah, I don't, it's like I don't care. I don't care if they play it. I I would love for any. I would love for every radio station in America, even country stations, to play the album. But you know, the reality of it is, it doesn't matter. You know, like I just want to make this for me and the fans. So that's. I mean, that's that's. It's really exciting, and I really appreciate all that you do and the people. You know, out there on the boundary, being brave enough to do it and let the chips fall where they may. These are obviously good principles. Yeah. You know, and again, I think it's fun too. This album is called The Trap. Yeah. Out, I said out August 10th, which is correct, but I'm not sure what day this conversation, this episode comes out. So it's probably right about now. I mean, this is either out or uh, coming out in the next couple of days. I don't yeah. know what day it is. So I apologize <laughs> for that. But basically, right now, Derek Miner's album is out and he is somebody. Um, that is really doing the good work and I think should be supported. So I recommend everybody check him out, pay attention to his music and this, his commentary on life. I, I get a lot out of both of them. So thank you, Derek. Respect, bro. Thank you. Matt, man, what a good job you did. I'm well, I, I'm telling you, I will say this. I am by far the worst interviewer. <laughs> like when I hear y'all do it, I go, man, those guys are... Those are pretty good. Like I like Joey does one on ones. Yeah. I like it when I, you've I done mean, ones that. What'd you do? I, well, what'd you do? Norma like, Jean. You did Corey. Yeah, oh, you did uh, the guy with Tourette's too. Was, Ryan yeah. Rado. I, I did Ryan, Ray, but that's because they were good guests, and I kind of knew them. Well, like I know Ryan, and Ryan is great at talking. I mean, even you know, even though but, he has Tourette's, he's still amazing. So the, you know? your secret was having good guests, but even with right. a terrible guest like Derek Miner, I was able to pull it off. <laughs> no, <laughs> right. but you're able to. Y'all are able to pull things out and say things in a more articulate way, so that they actually understand what you're asking. Oh, well, like, I, I, I don't think things. there's anybody really easier to talk to than Derek Miner. I remember just at the oh, BC man. Con, oh, he was gosh, like, so oh, good he was BC like the Con. automatic easiest person for everybody to like and, and listen and, to and, and be engaged with. And what's with. cool is yeah. he really, I, he's got that confidence to where you just ask him, hey, can you be on such a panel? He's like, I'll, I'll do whatever you want yeah. me to do. And he'll right. just sit up there. He may not even know what the panel's about, and he's fine, it's man. It's good, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, that's great when somebody can be that, be real comfortable and confident without being obnoxious and, and sit there. Because even if you don't, I mean, you can just, he just represents, I mean, it's so easy to relate to. He's so representative. It's so like natural the way people come across. It's just weird how certain people have that energy. I don't know if it's, I feel like it's a skill, 
but I feel like you can develop it, but it seems like a natural talent. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? I guess it's a combination of all those, but he certainly got it. So um there's a I tell you what area lacks a ton of talent right now is what? A, is the journalism and media oh, and all you those things. Right about that. There's almost yeah. nobody with any charisma there is one, that tells the truth or anything. There so. is one person that really delivers the truth when it comes to journalism and news, and that is me. I am the best at it. I should be the only one doing it. Right <laughs> you should be the only one. That would be one way to handle fake news. Let's do it. In a world where you know you are number one and no one knows it. <laughs> <laughs> but no one else knows. <laughs> but you do. You keep believing out there, America. You keep believing out there, world. This is the damn news with Toby Morrell. Whew. All right, I got a good one for you this way. And this makes sense to me. And it comes in from a roving reporter, Alicia Smith, who's a very nice lady. Her husband, Ian, very cool couple. Really like them. In fact, Ian uh, was not a Christian, came to uh, the live BC pod, I think it was in Jacksonville, Orlando, and through that got saved. And now it's like a pretty solid Christian, has a really cool uh, small group they do, meeting. It's, it's back to basics is what it's called if you live in Jacksonville. Wait, we, we awesome. got, you're saying BC Pod got a decision yeah, for Christ? Yes. <laughs> like he, like he, he always felt kind of on the outside of Christianity, so he just like, forget it. That's well, not for me. I think that our numbers our still, net our net still is negative. still a really <laughs> severe negative, I'm afraid. He, he brought up, we got one, lost hundreds. Yeah. <laughs> it is crazy. Early on, we would get emails saying, hey, it's not y'all's fault but, right. but ever since starting listening <laughs> to you guys i've just really deconstructed yeah. all the way out oh yeah. I, know. I know but yeah that's that's okay with me though like in a way if you can it's help somebody it's not, i just don't care what yeah. anybody says that's not on any well you're helping it. somebody figure out what they think is the only and i don't whatever they wind up thinking is not something i'm trying to control but and if that's one all. matters we make it to heaven <laughs> <laughs> yeah. if we got one i'm gonna hold i'm gonna hold that tight i'm looking at saint peter and go, hey listen i know <laughs> all remember that ian all that shit where's I, he at <laughs> I, I apologize for all that shit I said. I did not mean some of that. I really, I cursed your people. I did tons of stuff. But old Ian Smith, he changed his heart for you. That's enough. Then we have in. to split up in eternity three, we- right. or three ways. I don't know how that works. Uh, and he's in the club. Uh, so check this out. They, they live in Jacksonville. Uh, so this is going to be a Florida story. Uh, and this one kind of makes sense for me. I, I would like to use this some point, but uh, who knows if I'll ever get to, but uh, Florida man says he wasn't drinking while driving, only while he was stopped. <laughs> right? That kind of already. I'm like, this guy. Okay, is I'm listening. It. I'm okay. listening. This is from Bureau Beach, Florida, and it comes from uh, News Four Jacks. Uh, a Florida man stopped for drunken driving denies he was actually drinking while driving, claiming he only drank while he was stopped at traffic signals and stop signs. Earl Gustavus Stevens of Vero Beach was approached on June 27th by a police officer after a woman called 911 saying he had hit her bumper numerous times while waiting in a McDonald's <laughs> drive-thru lane. <laughs> uh, the smoking gun reports that, <clears throat> that Stevens smelled of alcohol and was slurring his words, according to the officer. A bottle of Jim Beam, Jim, Jim Beam was sitting in the passenger seat next to Stevens, and he admitted to have been drinking but when pressed if he was drinking while driving, he said no. 
He said he further explained that he was not, the police officer said he further explained that he was not drinking while the car was moving and only when it stopped for stop signs and traffic signals. <laughs> Stevens was arrested and charged with drunken driving and driving without a license. So I think he had that confused with texting and driving. Right. I was four way stop. It was a long light. I was, of course, I had some Jim Beam. I would never drink I, while I driving. Tri- right. <laughs> what do you. I, that's dangerous. <laughs> no, I came to a full, complete stop and everything, but that's just hilarious thinking like a, a drunk person just can't stand it in the McDonald's line, just starts bumping it. Go, 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 yeah, go get my burger. <laughs> that's too funny. So, um, all right, so this next uh, news comes from old Kevin Ming. We know him. Oh, He's a really BC cool Clubber. dude. Yeah, BC Clubber and cool dude all the way around. And this comes from Newsweek. Male genitalia graffiti so large you can see it from space. I love it. An unknown artist, of course, unknown. He will never get the credit he deserves. Uh, Artist's massive male genitalia graffiti project is so large it is visible from space. The phallic image was carved into the bed of of Dry Lake near Geelong, Australia, where it caught notice on Google Maps after users began leaving five-star reviews of the site nicknamed Batuta Lake. And Aussie Wiener. The comments have since been deleted, though the peculiar crop circle remains on Google Earth. First shared Monday in the Facebook meme uh, called Take Take the Piss Geelong, residents of nearby suburbs have known about the drawing for months, uh, and the art is thought to be more than 160 feet long. The artist has not come forward. So they just went there, and you can see it. I don't know if y'all, yeah. you can see that it's, it's balls and wiener. Oh, that's awesome. All the way from How did uh, they up in a satellite. Make it? I don't know. Scraping the mud at the bottom with a car or something like that? No. And and this isn't the first time either. It's hardly the first crass graffiti to be captured from space. Six penises were were (laughs) were mown into the lawns at a school in Hamilton, New Zealand. Those those New Zealanders, Australian people are wild boys. That remained for at least two years. Uh, The same year, Australians drew a penis on Google Street View camera, so every image it captured featured the crudely sketched phallus that drew it <laughs> yeah. on the camera. <laughs> that is amazing. Like, I know. I, I love that, just just whatever, just how, I don't know if ironic is the word, but, but how fitting it is that, like, it is possible that some other intelligent life could just, you know, that could be the, what they see. They scan, <laughs> they find a plant, they look, and there's just dongs. Just 100%. like a green, same as you find in the bathroom right. or the, every green room of every rock club in the world yeah. is covered with dongs. Right. And even from outer space, that's the, what you can see. That's what you I mean, it's like search for, you know, SETI's the search for extraterrestrial intelligence, but we just change it to search for extraterrestrial terrestrial genitalia it's really fun i mean even uh nasa spirit rover accidentally traced a penis in its travels <laughs> on mars and then navy officials uh, got really mad when uh, some naval pilots drew colossal penis in the sky with their entrails or whatever the contrails from their their planes mm-hmm. it's really funny though no doubt about it every single one of these people are men drawing penises like oh, men yeah. just draw penises it the is, i mean for you. Just, yeah the patriarchy is in full effect they go we have to show you that this is what it's all about, I yeah. guess. I mean, what is the like? Like you said, in green rooms, why would you always? It's, I mean, every once in a while, there's some boobs, maybe a vagina, some legs, or a butt, or a funny saying. But there's always a penis. Several usually. It's funny is the main reason. Is that what it is? Penises are funny yeah. to guys. It's funny, but it's it's. I mean, all phallic imagery is all through. You know, 
sculpture of all time and everything. It's the sign of fertility and strength right. and stuff like that. It's just it's and it's just the first thing that comes to your mind. You have to admit it is the first thing that comes to your mind. It's like, I'm gonna draw dudes, something, though, right? Not women. No, yeah, no, I, 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 <laughs> sure. I don't. I don't. I wouldn't. I have no idea. I can't imagine. But yeah, like you have to admit, it's like who, like. What's the first thing that comes to your mind? You can do, draw something funny. You, right. There's no oh, yes. way that's not yeah. the first thing that comes that's to your mind. That's a good thought experiment. What's the first thing you could think? I Somebody said, draw, draw something, something funny. funny. You yeah. have to You have to at least what? draw a dong or say, you know what? I'm not going to do a dong this time and move on to your next funny idea. I would idea. love to see <laughs> that, that, that test of how many guys <laughs> drew penises, how many women drew penises, whatever. You know, like I'd love to know that number. But whether you selected it or not, you had to admit that is the first thing that would pop in your head. Whether, you know what I'm saying? It would be the first thing that you had to consider. As a funny I mean, thing what, to draw. What, that's so crazy. If you think about it, like if you were to be podcasting right now, Matt, and you stood up and you just dropped your pants a little bit and showed us your penis, we would die laughing. Yeah, like, course. what is it about the penis <laughs> that people just laugh? I know. I mean, it was really funny. We're staying here at our friend Ben's house while we record this, and he said, uh, uh, I, the first time I met Joey, yeah. <laughs> I, I was in your drummer Dave's basement. And I was sitting just practicing. All of a sudden, I look up, and Joey walks down the steps into the basement completely naked, walks over to me and says, hey, I'm Joey. <laughs> and that's the first time he met you, and he loved it. He was so happy. The first time to meet you, just your penis and balls are out and everything. And, yeah. and I don't remember that. I totally believe him, but I have to think that someone put me up to that. I don't but think that, I would have no, done that. I think that. in those days, I mean, we spent did it. a lot of time doing stuff like being Maybe you didn't naked. know he was down know. there. Maybe you forgot. Maybe you just thought it was the dudes and Ben wasn't there or something. But We're you definitely actually, did. I remember. Here, the dynamics of our family with two girls and then the younger ones being boys, we're actually having to really walk my sons through. They can't just come downstairs when uh, my daughters have friends over with their dingling just hanging yeah. out. And, and, and they're proud of it, too. I mean, my, they will come down the stairs, right. dingling and all, mm-hmm. and there's strangers in the house. And they're like, what's up? Yeah, totally. <laughs> it's just, just the way it is. Yeah, you just don't care. Like, right. And part of me thinks maybe that's okay. It may maybe be better if it was just there. You know, maybe if we were all nude, <laughs> it, it would be there. better. <laughs> if everybody was nude, it'd be better. Okay, so God intended. I want to remind everybody that you got Emory shows y'all need to come to, and that is in mm-hmm. that's a uh, we got Emory shows in Salt Lake City and Denver and a bunch of shows in Texas with O Sleeper, and then we're going to uh, Little Rock, Arkansas. We're going to Atlanta, Georgia. So we're making quite a nice little sweep here coming up soon in a few weeks in August. You can go to emorymusic.com and get those, um, and I expect you to get those. Some of them are uh, going to be really good big-time shows, and I think some of them will sell out, so get them when you can. What else you got, Joey? You want to tell them the BC Club, right? Sure thing. If you go to thebcclub.com, get ready for some crazy fun community with other people that listen to this podcast. So, I mean, or don't uh, listen uh, to the podcast, yeah. but are in the community. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you think of if you think about a bad Christian listener, there there's so there's such a big umbrella, such a big tent. That's church oh, language. We, we such a big, big tent. tent. But there's also something that they have in common, don't they? Isn't there something that people have? If they're going to listen to this regularly, yeah. there's got to be something. And I don't know what For that sure. something is. But you can rest assured that there are some folks that you'll find some common ground. I just absolutely love the fact that People are on Marco Polo talking all day. For some of you, that sounds like a nightmare. For some of you, you love that thought. There's a Facebook page, and there's going to be some extra, extra episodes coming mm-hmm. up for the BC Club. Oh, that's right. The BC Club gets an extra episode, two extra episodes a week. So oh, if you'll yeah. notice, we're putting out this episode today on Tuesday, and there'll be another episode next Tuesday. But people in the BC Club will get two 
more episodes in that amount of time. So they're just the people that we want to make sure, we, you know, it's a more casual kind of stuff we do with them, and it's a lot more fun. Yeah. And some, not a lot more fun, but it's a different vibe. But we're putting out more content for those in the BC Club, and we'd welcome you to join. I think you'd like it. Toby, uh, God has laid on my heart that given you have the spirit of prophecy, I think God wants you to prophesy over each of these new BC clubbers, just something that's going to happen very soon to them, something that will edify them and lift their spirits up. Okay. Well, I really do feel like God wants I, you to do I that. I kind of feel it too. Do you feel it too? Yeah, okay. Well, there you go. It Here makes we sense. Go. Okay. We both had the Holy Spirit. All right. So these people just joined the BC club. Thank you. And you get a special gift. Mm. This is not on our website at bcclub.com. Well, prophecy is not perk. included. It's not so, included. Yes, you're is... not guaranteed a prophecy right, just for joining. Right, but these guys get it. Christian Gonzalez. Murdered in an alley. Oh, well, shit. He's going to be murdered. Can we in keep a... going? God. Rodney Longhurst. Dies in a hot air balloon accident. Oh, no. You said prophecy. I'm feeling this. Kayla Smart. Uh, eats too many Mike and Ike's. <laughs> And Michael and, and survives? No, she dies. Oh, God. Michael Wilson. Uh, becomes Donald Trump's number two. <laughs> he dies. <laughs> Alan Heart Jefferson. Attack. Al Jefferson, the basketball player? Alan Jefferson. Oh, shoot. Uh, tries to become Al Jefferson murdered. <laughs> Matt Seymour. Matt Seymour. Not he, Seymour. Matt C. Last name Moore. He sees more. Uh, son, and he gets a sunburn that causes cancer, and he dies. <laughs> I, it's not my words; it's God's. Uh, okay, Sam what Horseman. I, I mean, you hate to. Yeah. So, so you're sorry to report it. But. What was that one again? Sam Horseman. Trap on by horses. <laughs> <laughs> Is this the Lord speaking? Do you totally really? God, right in my ear. Soft maybe maybe whisper. his last name was prophetic from day uh, one. It was David Fennel. Uh, he takes too much. He eats fennel and dies. <laughs> Overdose of fennel. Jason B. Terry. Uh, he <laughs> he uh, was trying to beat being hairy, but he couldn't beat Harry. <laughs> and so he dies of hair, too much hair. Kel Daniel. Kel Daniel. <laughs> he just dies. He just dies. <laughs> he just died. All right. Did, so, you, did you, was it revealed to thank you, you God. when these when that would be, and you're just saving that so they don't have to... Yeah. I didn't want to say you, it. Do you have dates, though? Yeah, it already happened. <laughs> oh, yeah. So by the time these names get out, yeah, everybody be having funerals it, yeah. and everything. Now, Which I, makes it a little less. I wish I could have said before, because they're already all dead. Now, I'm really scared to ask this question, given what the answer could be. Was their deaths related to joining the BC Club? No, not okay. at all. Okay. It was Thank just God. God smote them. Okay. Whatever they did against God, God was justly did, I, w- did I would imagine them joining the BC Club maybe gave them just a little extra no. shot to live, but just no, didn't work not out not at all. Them. And if I tell you, will I feel bad if someone is trampled, if horsemen is trampled by horses? Oh, wait, he already was. Never mind. Uh, I don't feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> I feel bad because now we don't get their BC Club money. That's yeah, kind of bad for Damn us. Damn it. But. God. Oh, they could have worked on a wheel. Couldn't you let them live? <laughs> I hope next time, next prophecy will be all about living. For sure. I know God gonna, just prophesied yeah, that through you. He told me, Nick, anybody that, that joins the BC Club. God just told me anyone that joins the BC Club now, abundant life. Wow. So that was just, a, was bad just a real bad week. That was just a bad run. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, just, just it, it didn't work out. But next, next, next group of BC Clubbers, you've been freeloading. God says, if you invest, if you plant a seed, you're going to watch it grow. All right. Well, you heard it. Amen. From Prophet. Toby. All right, see y'all to Emory Show. Well, should I, should I?